Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right then, back with, I think like episode 32, but I promised myself I'd stop naming the episodes because I always get it wrong. With the first Aussie, or semi-not Aussie, we've ever mm. had on the podcast, Ed Hodge. I'll let him introduce himself in a second. Um, side note, I am wearing my outfit, which just arrived for Ibiza for a four-day trip, so excuse outrage, uh, the outrageous shirt. And we are back on the wine because it's a Thursday episode. Certainly are. But um, yeah, another e-com founder because I had loads of messages. Well, I've had loads of consistent messages saying, please just get e-com founders on. Don't get, well, get less agency people on, apparently. People that <laughs> seem to like that. And you were put in touch with me by like a mutual friend, like everything mm-hmm. fucking happens in this super small world. Yeah. I think it was Haz actually. Um, yeah. I assumed you were English and I thought you were like 21, but then you were 28 and yeah. Australian or not Australian. Kind of, yeah. But like with every episode, I guess first question is just, what do you do? Who are you? We'll dive into your background and kind of up to now and then yep. we'll probably get a bit weird with it as usual. Let's do it. Yeah, so, so. name's Ed, 28. Uh, I run a company called My High. So we sell portable infrared saunas which is a bit Different. of a niche, yeah, a bit yeah. of a niche. So pretty much it's a infrared sauna blanket um, and it allows you to get the benefits of like an infrared sauna in the comfort of your own home. I've been doing it for about two years now. Um, it's going super well. And uh, yeah, first, first e-commerce company as well. So, yeah, sick. And you do that, do that with a mate that's based yeah, in? Based in Australia. Australia. Yeah. So how, how does that work? Like what what's the backstory there? Like were you in Australia? You said you moved to London recently. In terms of how how we met, or I guess everything. I mean, yeah. I, I usually try and go like start. right back to like your almost childhood, and then fucking yeah. maybe a bit of context on the brand and how that started. Okay. Then we can go back to how you got to the position to start a brand, which is what we just spoke about, kind of briefly. Yeah, yeah, cool. So and then run it pretty chronologically. So Wyatt is my co-founder. Um, we met in 2015. It was like a it was a sales job for a, a small business consulting company. So we were doing like 50 or 100 calls a day to small business owners trying to sell them on like yeah this consulting package and we we had some really good bosses at the time who were pretty successful entrepreneurs and they were like our first mentors mm. so to speak um and we clicked we both knew we wanted to run a business one day um but we knew that like e-commerce was the space if we wanted to grow a business yeah uh, and we weren't learning enough about like the digital side of things at this job. So I went off to go work in agency land, develop the skills. We ran probably thousands of ideas through a filter to like start an e-commerce company. Yeah. Um, of which pretty much obviously 999 failed. Like mm. didn't make it through that, that criteria that we had to launch. Yeah. Um, and then we came up with this idea. It was pretty much, we used to go to the infrared sauna all the time. Why and I? Mm. and we would sit I fucking love a sauna yeah. every day so good right 
um, and we would sit in the sauna thinking of ideas, ironically. Yeah, facts. That's, that's what me and Jack do. Yeah. The best ideas. Um, best ideas, especially after you've done one cycle of a yeah, cold yeah, shower. Yeah, then you get Then you get going. Um, and we were just thinking like, this sauna is sick, but we used to have to travel. Like we don't have one downstairs. Yeah, it's pretty good We used good to have to travel yeah. to it, book a session in, you know, commute back and forth. And we were like, okay, imagine if we had one in our own home, but we can't afford one. We don't mm. have the space for one. There's got to be a more portable option out there. Um, did some research and yeah, rest is history. So most people, well, certainly in my experience, mm. like when I got into e-com, it was like very unplanned. Mm. Sounds like you meticulously, well, you, you did meticulously think about what you could do. Like what was the criteria? Because my, I had a similar approach when I started my new brand, Space Goods, but mm. so I don't think that would have fit the criteria because mainly because it's super expensive. Yeah. It would have been the first thing. So yeah. what was your criteria and where did that criteria come from? Like, mm. Was that agency experience or you just genuinely interested in e-com? Bit of both. Like Way more calculated than me by it the was, sounds of it. And to be honest, that criteria might change for my next brand because I've learned a ton since mm. then. But it was... Accommodation of working at the agency, and so you know hundreds and hundreds of clients, and you see what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, true. Um, and you really start to develop trends, and also learning and reading as much as I could about ecom. But pretty much it came down to, okay, what's something with great unit economics? So we didn't want to sell something with you know crap margins. Yeah. Or something that had a super low AOV. Hmm. Um. And so this fit fit the bill. We've got great gross margins, high AOV. Yeah. Arguably, you know, you we might want a little lower to to be more mass market than, mm. than our AOV. Um, we wanted something that was in a growing trend. So we were big into wellness, and we knew that infrared saunas were just exploding in popularity. Mm. Um, and so to be early on in that trend was key for us. Yeah. Whereas if we went into teeth whitening for example mm, yeah like saturated as fuck yeah and completely at the peak or the end of that or mature the trend is mature yeah. put it that way very true so this was at the start of a trend we knew that because we had a good pulse on the wellness market unit economics were good it was a very um, like viral PRable Facebook addable product mm. like we'll probably go into this a bit later but like we had some great PR success to begin with um, because we knew that we could make it go viral in the media yeah um, and there was also like hardly any competition like there was only mm, one other I've brand I've never ever seen yeah. a brand in this space and I see a lot of brands yeah like there was only one other brand doing it and um, we thought okay there's definitely enough room for us the market's growing fast trend great unit economics let's give it a shot and how like balls deep into it did you go when you like was there like a testing phase like an MVP or whatever like did you quit your job and go all in like what was the situation because you said you started two years ago yeah so like start of COVID yeah we were pretty arguably like prime time for that sort of product we yeah we, yeah. we started just as lockdowns kicked in so it worked mm. very well um, we were pretty methodical about it actually like we got some clients from the agency um, yeah so I 
became like self-employed with mm. these clients and that gave me more time to build this brand while still earning some money yeah um and then <clears throat> we launched with just our own cash bootstrapped we got about like 50 units to begin with mm. took us fucking forever to build the website because why we- because we just didn't know that should what take we, two days now yeah we didn't know what we were doing we like yeah right. did these designs we hired the wrong developers mm. like just a lot went wrong with that yeah. website it took us way longer than than it should have um and then <clears throat> we so we did a test run with some influencers that worked really well we sold pretty much all of that that stock yeah within a month um and you know I st- yeah I still remember like the first sale we got was from a Google ad yeah um, I was gonna I imagine this would pop on Google yeah and the feeling was just incredible um, and then we got that someone from the Daily Mail reached out to us said we want to feature you and they were based in Australia and the UK so mm. we had just kind of shut the website down after our first successful test run because we ran out of stock and then we took a month to regroup like tweak the website a little bit tweak the email flows get everything ready for proper launch now that we had yeah proof of concept proof of concept and then we launched again with pre-orders in the UK and Australia this article went live and yeah went from there so how how long into the the past two years was that like how, how quick did that happen in terms of when you quit your job yeah and then when you were like oh we have a proof concept okay so let's fucking do something here idea was august 2019 yeah samples and stuff finalized and happy with by october and you were still working full-time still during working the idea full-time. phase yeah then in october i'm like you know what i've got enough people that love me that i can work with as my own clients yeah I'm going to quit. Um, why I quit as well. And we went full time just on our own as like freelancers and started building the website, started building everything. Yeah. That took fucking forever. We got overwhelmed with our client work. Um, and then we ended up launching in March 2020. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. March 2020 when the whole world shut that down. That was when Neon started to go chaos before everything went wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, we also had some logistical chaos, which we can talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so March 2020, we did that like, you know, beta launch and then took April off and then launched in the UK and Australia in May 2020. And we did that article, got us like 75K in the first week. We yeah. invested that into Facebook ads immediately started spending like a lot mm. on Facebook um, yeah and we did offer, we did a million bucks in the first like four months since then Aussie or USD Aussie I, feel, I always feel like Aussie's Sorry, cheating Aussie yeah Aussie yeah, yeah. I need uh, to clarify it's, it's, yeah it's still sick yeah I feel like this is a to be a million US I want to use this episode five. to go like deep e-com yo fellas quick one 
First bit of promo of the pod, you may or may not have heard, I released a fucking e-com course a few months ago. Basically spent like six months making it because I was in between businesses, as you probably know, if you follow my shit. I must say, 12 hours long, it's fucking quality content. I was gonna drop it at like 1500 quid with some bullshit guru-y webinar and all that rubbish, but as you know, it's not my main thing. I'm working on a new brand right now, very, very fucking much in the trenches, which is why I think it's actually a better course than everything else out there, because it's built on real experience of my brands in the past and my current one. I think it's super, super valuable. If you're interested in e-com, you're already in e-com, and you want it to get into e-com, zero to one, starting a brand from scratch, then definitely worth investing in. Link is in the bio of this video, or podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever the fuck you're listening or watching, and enjoy the rest of the pod. Because, and then like, obviously talk about like girls and life and shit at the end because we always do but this feels like a really interesting case study because I don't know it just ticks all the boxes in terms of like I don't know you could write a fucking MBA MBA about scaling a business like this but going back to pre-brand for a second then just to set the story a bit more because you started it when you were 26 then right yeah yeah so there's a lot of time before that so I guess like what uni sales job Mm. then you went to the agency because you actually wanted to learn more about e-com hmm when was that? How long did you spend in the agency? And also, what was your co-founder doing? So, I guess I'll rewind even further than that. Like, when I was... I started uni when I was 18. I did a business degree. Yeah. Because I knew nothing better and I thought, business. Yeah, that's what I did. Business, business, business. For six weeks. Um, and then I got this, like, two-year traineeship with a big accounting firm with, during university. And I didn't... You got served the red pill. Yeah, pretty Whatever much. Got red pilled. Yeah, literally, it did. Because um, I knew nothing better, and I'm like, I want to be a successful businessman, and everyone's like, you should do this. Yeah, and so you know so. the shit they sell at university, right? Like, yeah, they sell the dream of the corporate life. Anyway, my first mm. day at this company, I was like shocked. I'm like, is this the dream? Like, there's these like 35 nope. year olds that have got no soul left and they hate their lives yeah, and shitty small talk in the office and all that so anyway I quit there broke contract had to pay them back money was the first person to ever like Fucking quit because I'm yeah. just like fuck this and this this was a grad scheme basically no it was before I graduated so it was like oh, right, it was okay. a special yeah. scheme where it's like you worked there for two years during uni and yeah. fast track into the corporate slave world whatever yeah Um. and so then I'm like okay well I need to find out what the actual dream is what what is what I want in life and then I started learning a bit more about like you know freedom and not being slaved down to a job and Mm. business having your own business is the best tool to get there yeah Um, and then read some books and then the author of one of the books I read I got a job for what books you read and who was that it was uh, Daniel Priestley was his name and it was called Become a Key Person of Influence it was a strange book strange title um, yeah but the concepts in it were mm. really strong and he is still probably one of the yeah one of the smartest guys I met in business um, ended up getting a job for him and that's where, where I met Wyatt so that was 2015 when I was 21 yeah and then worked there for two years that's when I worked for the agency. So I worked at the agency for like three years, I think. Maybe two, two and a half. Mm. Um, and that was very methodical. Like I, I worked there on purpose yeah. to learn about e-com to, the, to then launch. Did you, did you ever think before the agency, fuck it, I'll just start drop shipping or whatever, like do my own thing ASAP? Yeah. Because but that sounds way more sensible than well, certainly me. 
I did, but I don't think I was good enough to be honest. Like I, yeah, like I, I couldn't think of any good idea. Mm. Um, I didn't. I know I knew fuck all about design mm. or how to do it. Yeah, and I, rem- I remember actually being at the agency, and there was a guy, an account manager at the agency, that on the down low was like a millionaire. Like he had from what from econ. I don't Why know. Why is it an agency then? That's like his own brand or the, what? Yeah, like he had, was drop shipping, making a ton of money. Yeah, and well, I later found out that he was at that agency because he wanted to start his own agency, right? As well, yeah. Um, just one of those like cop out serial, you know, wanted to start like five businesses at once mm. kind of thing. But I was, I remember like being at that agency, and I was there obviously to learn about ecom, and I'm seeing this guy do all these things. I'm like, how? Like, how are you doing it? Like. What, what are all these things that you're doing? How are you sourcing these products? Like, mm. how are you designing this website? How does everything work? And then yeah. it took me a while to figure it out, but everyone has their own way of... Yeah, just on that, actually, I, I think it's really interesting because sometimes it's easy, to, it's easy to forget what you didn't know when you now know it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to transport yeah. your... Pay, like, like, for example, me, I was... People would ask me, like, how did you get started? And like, I actually don't remember. Yeah. Like, I, I can't recall having no knowledge, but obviously, like with everything, you don't fucking know anything until you start. Yeah. And then quite quickly, it becomes like a snowball effect. And that's obviously how life works. But yeah, it's kind of mad. It is, it is mad. I feel like now... And it's like, because of that, I'm more aware that I now... I now am aware that there's so much that in five, ten years I'll know that I don't know now. Yeah. But I consciously don't know what that is yet because I don't know it. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's like it's, fucking it's cool, knowledge deception or some shit. It's a very cool um, state of mind to, to be of and to be aware of that. Mm. Like, I feel that we are so privileged right now with like Twitter, for example. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm an addict now to Twitter. The knowledge and like the network of like e Twitter yeah. is just ridiculous that anyone that is just starting out, if... It's better than NBA. Yeah. In my opinion. Like by an order of magnitude better than the NBA. Like if they can somehow stumble upon like that group of people, like yeah. they would just, like I'm not on Twitter. Um, I'm more of a follower at this point, but I'm sure I'll get published content soon. Mm. But like if they were to like follow you, for example, and the people that you interact with, they can learn so much about e-com yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And for free. And for free. Um, and which is something that took me two years, two and a half years. So, yeah. So the agents then, um, mm-hmm. obviously I feel like agency is fucking buzzword these days, <laughs> but was this more of a, like an old school, like office 300 people agency or was this like an, was this a social agency? Like where was it on that spectrum? Yeah, it was, we had about 70 staff. It was very like, we did a ton of direct response star marketing, mm. like, we spent a huge amount of money on our marketing. Yeah. Um, I was on the sales team to start with. There's about 10 of us on the sales team and we didn't do any outbound. We had eight qualified calls a day between 10 of us. Yeah. So 80 a day times seven. Um, yeah. And it was a high, high volume agency, which meant a lot of churn clients what sort of clients though are these like um, big corporates or like startups no, and shit a mix of e-com and service businesses a couple of yeah a couple of bigger ones but not many too 
not I mean, too many in terms corporate. of service was it like paid social google i mean oh sorry when i say service like service businesses like a plumber yeah, yeah, yeah. but then in, but terms, in terms of, of what you were providing for them we offered yeah. them everything yeah. google ads facebook ads actually not organic because it was mm. more direct response like ads funnel yeah email but we did um facebook ads funnels landing pages google ads seo websites you name it yeah sick yeah who was the biggest client can you name any would there be any that listeners would know like brand wise any brands that were like smaller then are massive now you're running high smiles um, ads for example being Australian do you know Koala Mattress maybe I don't know what's the is it like Casper, Casper isn't it? yeah the Casper of Australia right okay yeah. Were they burning a shitload of money as well because they're selling mattresses? <laughs> they actually did really they well. They were actually profitable. They, they were profitable, I think. I didn't know too much about the account, but um, yeah, they're huge now. Yeah. In Australia. So like, how much did you learn being in sales? So obviously like, mm. I was in, you, you learned, I would say, you, I would imagine you learned the most the day you started working on your business. But how much did you pick up from so, that? So you obviously consciously went into it. Yeah, I I pestered people in the divisions. So firstly, I think you learn a lot by repetition. So like yeah. I had the chance to speak to thousands of businesses mm. and understand their, their top level data, you know, like CPA figures, traffic, conversion rate, mm. um, revenue figures, things like that. He always goes crazy in these episodes. Let's just fucking ignore him. I love it. It's a new tradition. He wrecks the sofa mid pod. (laughs) Um, And I think just like, you know, if you're playing like golf or whatever, over the course of thousands of rounds, you start to develop patterns and things like that. So I noticed patterns, started to understand sectors really well. Like I knew that, you know, okay, fashion is super hard to break into because it's super competitive. Yeah. um, Blah, blah, blah. All this kind of stuff. So that really helped me with understanding the high level metrics, uh, understanding like from a top down approach, what sectors were best. Uh, and then from that top down approach of knowing which idea was best and which sector was best to go into, then I started learning more about the tactics of like Facebook ads. So yeah, and then after I kind of understood the strategy of it um, from speaking to all these businesses, I then went into the tactics. So like. I made good friends with the head of SEO at the agency and just annoyed mm. the fuck out of him. Yeah. Questions. I made good friends with the head of uh, like web projects and conversion rate optimization, annoyed the fuck out of him and her. Same with Facebook. Yeah. Um, made friends with a guy in Google Ads and just forced him to teach me Google Ads. Um, and then I left there to join. Where are you going, buddy? Then I left there to join a smaller agency where I had more of a hands-on role in all of that. Yeah. So I was actually... Uh, a practitioner in all of those things and then I'm like okay like like actually doing leading accounts or what yeah doing the Google ads so this was a yeah. startup agency and so I was like pretty much everything yeah like I was account manager even helped close some deals for the sales people did the Facebook ads you know mm. and then by that point after like six months I'm like you know what I've got it all now I'm ready to go um, and it coincided with the idea of the blankets yeah um, so yeah yeah six so six months in the smaller place and like assuming were you like did you ever think 
you could actually like pretty soon start your own thing or, or like, I mean, I, how entrepreneurial were you in your head prior to actually starting the business? Because for me at least, I don't know, I knew when I was 12 years old, I was never gonna have a normal job. Mm. And I never did, apart from like burger bar shit when I was at uni. Mm. I just didn't know what the platform to do that would be. And eventually it was e-com because I worked it out to some extent. Yeah. Like, how was that for you? Because I'm always interested in like the psychology of people that, particularly that go into like the matrix, so to speak, <laughs> like money, Twitter speak, get a job yeah, and then quit. Yeah. Because it probably takes more balls at that point, arguably. It's a really interesting topic. Um, I think it helped significantly that I had like a best mate and future business partner to speak to about it and we were both mm. like actually to be fair I kind of left this out we did start an agency <laughs> tried to right when was that that was after so we quit the um, that consulting company mm. and we're like we need to learn about yeah, I can't, can't believe I didn't bring this up actually yeah. <laughs> we're like okay we need to learn about we want to run our own business we want to run an e-com brand one day so why don't we just like start our own agency and just start doing marketing for and this is before you work for any of your agencies before I even worked for an agency I yeah. tried to start one and we pretty much partnered with our old consulting company they gave us a load of their clients and we started doing their marketing and it worked kind of well um, but we didn't really know what we were doing he ended up going traveling in America for a bit he had yeah. some lifestyle things he wanted to pursue and then I'm like okay well cool I'm going to dive deeper and, and learn some more skills but getting back to like, yeah, did I always want to be an entrepreneur or how was it quitting the job? Like we had each other, we, we both had the same shared goal, which is like, we need to make it. Like we want to get, yeah, you know, we get have rich to make or die trying. We have to get rich, we have to get free. Yeah. We're not gonna fail. Like we can't mm. be those guys that just talk about starting a business and end up Yeah, being, fuck yeah. If you had the same wages. You, yeah, I've yeah. heard that term. Yeah. I call them civilians, but yeah. I feel like wages is even more it's derogatory. Harsh. It's harsh. It's very harsh. But, but anyone to- that hasn't watched this pod before, before it gets taken out of context, it's flippant. It's a flippant term, but it's also quite accurate. Yeah. But so. in also saying that, there is nothing wrong with being employed. Everyone is built Absolutely not, yeah. If everyone- the only thing I have a problem with is people, like you're saying, yeah. that speak about it for 20 years and don't do it. Yeah, exactly. My own brother is a wagey, but he's ha- probably happier than me. Yeah. Exactly. And he doesn't want to start a fucking business. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Everyone is different. Like that is his if everyone wanted thing. to be a business owner, the world wouldn't function properly. I yeah, think, exactly. Um, a lot of people, yeah, exactly. Like I probably would be a ton happier if I just had a mind where I just like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's another topic. But, For sure. But yeah, we're like, no, we don't want to do this. Like we need to make it. Um, we can't be those guys that talk about it and never do anything. We, we're not like, we're not going to do it. And so we just continually... And we were seeing these successes and we're like, mate, like, we, this is going to be us one day. Like, we can't let them, you know, other people succeed and, and, and we're yeah. not. So we having a partner that also shared that same desire was massive. I mean, you like schoolmates originally or what? No, we met randomly at this, this consulting job. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, like... And you both but, hated it and shared the passion to leave. Well, we both learned a lot there um, but we realised it wasn't where we wanted to be mm. long term but it was kind of it was kind of random like yeah I 
I moved from Melbourne to Sydney for it. He moved from Brisbane to Sydney. And we met each other like on the first day, like, hey, with only two guys that started. Like, yeah. Nice to meet, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then hit it off and, and yeah. Yeah, I've got a Sydney accent to be fair. Sydney, kind different of. Different from Melbourne. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I've been to Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne in Australia. And oh, like, yeah. they are slightly different, but yeah. I think Melbourne is probably my favourite in terms of like living in. Yeah, it's that's, most like London. That's right. Westernized. Was, was living. Yeah, I do miss it. It was good. Yeah, sick place. So, how did it go? Like, you obviously you weren't working together at the agency then. You just previously worked together in the consulting stuff. Yeah. And then you were just like, what mates speaking about wanting to get free of the system and make yeah. make it etc. Pretty much. And then did you quit at the same time? Yeah. So we were running ideas past each other all the time. I had kind of. Everything I was learning at the agency, I was sharing with him. Yeah. We're having calls and... And was he still working at the consulting stuff? Um, no, he and went traveling stuff. for like a right, year. Okay, yeah. And then he went to work for a tech company doing sales. Hated it. And yeah, running ideas past each other. Came up with this idea. Quit our jobs at the same time. Yeah. And... Um, started with these clients so we could still keep an income mm. and um yeah when when we when the brand took off we were able to kind of say goodbye to our clients and yeah yeah so right loads of questions at the back of that what was the what was the final criteria that the brand ticked amongst the thousand other whatever ideas mm. that others didn't like were there like five categories of things like what was it that made sense so it was especially because it's so new like or at least it, it was like super new at the time mm. there's obviously less references mm. so how did you come to that conclusion well it was those kind of met like top tier criteria which was great unit economics mm. uh, growing trend uh, in a huge industry um, PRable Facebook addable viral able I already to asked viral. you that didn't I yeah but just in more um, detail but it, and then something else which I forgot oh like no competition yeah and yeah just hit all of those stronger than everything else and I guess it helped that we knew influencers yeah. what else was on the potential table was there anything that came close to being the business instead of this Oh, I can't remember now. I do have an awful memory. Um, and I guess on top of that, was were there certain things that were just like something you might have liked to do, but you just thought wouldn't work because of X, Y, Z? For example, fashion, because I'm, mm. I'm not saying necessarily you want to start a fashion brand, but I feel like that's the thing that a lot of newbies, so to speak, like jump to. Mm. Oh, let's, let's start a t-shirt brand, mm -hmm. which maybe is one of the easier things hypothetically to start, but obviously... Yeah. Beyond a certain point, it probably gets exponentially harder because it's so competitive. Fashion t-shirt brands. I, f I feel like every e-com person has one or two mates that's tried to start I used to a, have a t-shirt brand. A clothing brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's didn't last long. No. Um, I can't remember. I'm sure why I could probably think of five or six of our ideas, but I've genuinely forgot. Mm. Like I think we looked at like a red light um face mask. Yeah but thought there was too many, too many competitors at that point. We looked at like some furniture brands, but then we were, we were like... Fuck furniture, man. Yeah. I feel like big but, margins, but who, who buys a sofa again? 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And all that shit. Um, so, I couldn't tell you. We have... We've have, we have a document somewhere of like all the ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the reason I ask is because when I was starting Space, yeah. and I, I don't want to keep plugging my fucking brand, but it's relevant to conversation. Very good brand, by the way. Wait, it's the first time. I had I, some this morning. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had obviously done a few brands before, which I'd never been as methodical about. It was always very like, oh, this, like, I don't know, this idea came from somewhere, I want it, let's make it. Whereas with this, I, I did go through that sort of like tick box process because mm. I was like, fuck it. If I'm doing the next thing, I'm getting this next thing big time right for the long term. And for me, it was like, I want I want a consumable because it's, I've never done a consumable, but it's like subscription heavy yeah. potential, yeah. massive gross margin, decent enough AOV. So obviously nothing like yours, still relatively low, but um, a potential for a big LTV. Yeah. And again a trend like mushrooms which i think and beyond mushrooms psychedelics which could be like the next fucking biggest thing ever in wellness in my opinion yeah but yeah like it was way more methodical and then because the thing that kind of scared me a little bit but not scared me but a few people said it to me i've only launched it literally a week ago so it's still very early days but early sounds are good and someone says to me like oh fuck you didn't even test like an mvp of the product and i was like well no because i sunk like 70 grand into it Mm which I didn't have to spend that much. That was mainly like stock and stuff mm. before I even launched it. And there's someone on Twitter, like I think DM me saying like, wait a minute, you haven't even got a proof of concept. And I was like, ah, I mean, I kind of yeah. gone with my gut and the yeah. other factors. And, and now it is, it is working. Granted we're a weekend, but how was that for you? Like how much, how much money did you, did you commit to it at the start? Like mm. particularly having not run a brand before, like, did you say like X amount, we just fucking give it a shot. Yeah. We see what happens. And like, yeah. how scary or not did that feel? Because I think the hardest part is when you've got no experience, you haven't got the proof of anything yet. Mm. Whereas for me, even though my last fucking thing fucked up, I, I knew that I'd done it before. So I was like, obviously I can do it again. Yeah. Well, f- yeah. I mean, firstly, to that point, I just want to talk to that a little bit. Like when you have a couple of runs on the board, mm. you can follow your gut a little bit more and you can go a little bit more in as opposed to if you have zero runs on the board and you don't have yeah. a, a trained gut so trained gut feel so to speak like mm. you've been around the block a couple of times you know how it works if you have a good feeling you should be it, it's fine to go a little bit further deep yeah, into it yeah definitely agree um, obviously not you know you hear some stories of people that like over invest themselves and they dump a million bucks into something and it goes tits up They're yeah like, you you know your point of like okay I've done this a couple of times seventy grand is fine I'm not investing five hundred grand or whatever that's my number blah 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 mm. for us we invested fifteen Aussie so eight pounds eight thousand yeah, pounds because I think a lot of people listening want to know the numbers on these yeah. things because a lot of people don't mention numbers yeah so if you can pounds. mention numbers as specific as you want to go it's oh, definitely useful for okay. listeners so. £8,000 to start, um, which was a loan from my business partner's mum. Oh, shit. Which One we, of those. Which we had written a contract with her to pay it back with a little bit of interest if we failed. Yeah. Um, and that went into purely getting some stock and the website. Yeah. And so we launched... The website we designed ourselves, 
we then had to pay a developer and we fucked up the developer we chose the wrong guy wasted a couple of grand on that I've got a good developer that's $7 an hour oh. Upwork I can, you don't I want can to be talking about away. him don't want to talk about him too much mate everyone's yeah. going to be DMing you about it yeah, about it, it. Um, we pay a lot more than seven bucks an hour for ours now. Yeah. I can tell you that. I bet. Oh, seven. Anyway, um, yeah, so we got the website live, bought stock, and we actually launched with like Google ads and some influencers. Mm. So yeah, we, we did it very uh, on a budget and really, really fortunate to have that viral moment, which gave us that 75 grand in a day. Yeah. Which we immediately reinvested into Facebook ads and at that point we still hadn't purchased any stock so yeah sorry sorry so just going back slightly so the eight grand yeah decent amount of stock but I would imagine not that much given like the the expense of the product is margin might be good but it's not a one pound necklace right so it's pretty (laughs) expensive to make still yeah so you sold out those in how, how long was that that initial period the proof of concept because you mentioned March. the daily mail happened after the that, month, right? Month of March, so about thirty days. Yeah, and and were you how much were you running in terms of like influencers and paid, and who was running that? Was it you literally doing it yourself or? Yeah, we did it all ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And how much did you spend on ads in that like first? Proof I actually of can't remember, stage? but not much at all, to be honest. Like yeah, five grand ish. Yeah, yeah, and then the daily mail thing happened. Yeah. yeah. What were you planning on doing if that Daily Mail thing hadn't happened at the time? Well, yeah, actually, like, obviously, like you well, sold yeah, the no. stuff, you made yeah. a bit of profit, but still not massive scale at this point. We, I guess, double down on ads to some extent. We were just going to be launching with ads mm. and influencers and hope for the best. Yeah, um, it would have been a hell of a lot more difficult to scale if we, if that didn't happen, because at that point we had you know the uh, the payment terms with our supplier were all up front. Um, yeah fuck that because again we knew nothing about negotiating with suppliers Mm. which is a whole other ball game yeah so it was just one of those good fortune moments I still think we would have done well without it we would have figured out a way yeah but we just wouldn't have scaled to that you know like seven figure revenue as quickly and was it entirely Australia at this point in, in that proof of concept stage yeah yeah and then Daily Mail was UK you said well, Daily Mail reached out to us and we were like hang on a minute Daily Mail is, is an Australian and a UK yeah. business so so we're like we actually, I think we spoke to him like yes you can you can um, do an article on us but can you make sure it comes out like in a month yeah <laughs> so we could we had to figure out like a 3PL in the UK yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, launch a website in the UK all the admin stuff in the UK and um, launched it just in time and uh, yeah it's one of one of the, the special days of our and memories did you plow more money into it beyond what you'd made in that initial period when you saw the daily mail opportunity or did you just spend you know all the cash in the bank effectively on just making getting ready for that because you thought it would be big um it scaled getting, up pretty quick like in terms yeah. of how did you facilitate the stock or, or, or was the margin just good enough that you had enough stock for that 75k day um, so 75k day was still on a pre-order so like if, right, you, okay. if you talk yeah, about yeah. like I think that was the 9th of May 2020 yeah and we were we said on our website uh, pre-order for end of May but it actually ended up being like end of June yeah um, so 
had to go heavy on the customer support. Um, yeah, pre-order is interesting. Just on the website then, and, and the brand as a whole, going back, like how much? Because obviously now it looks super like D to C professional. I said before, it looks like a Casper mattress, whatever. Mm. It looks like legit. You can trust it. It's not some bullshit dropshipping, yeah. which not many websites do, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, how good was the website and branding and all that content stuff when you were right at the start? You had the eight grand. Was it way shitter? I just think it was very good. Like, and, and like, how did you do that? Because obviously. Why I mean, my business partner is just a fucking good designer. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. So did he do like the imagery, like people lying in beds and shit? I mean, I don't know what it we was did back a, then. But. We did a photo shoot. So we got a uh, a friend of his mum's to be our model um, in our house. We A friend of mine was the videographer. Um, did a photo shoot design the website ourselves yeah and again like the whole strategy behind the website strategy behind the design the conversion rate optimization had come from like my past two years of studying the shit out of it yeah at this agency so that paired with why it's just natural ability to design something good like i can say a good design and i can mm see yeah. what a good design is but when it comes to actually getting on Figma and designing it yeah. different story but luckily we can communicate that and and he's a gun um, so yeah the website was great um, we designed you know we had Clavio up from day one obviously we like it's a I say we had Clavio up from day one it's like a non it should be a given but like this was our first brand and yeah yeah true and we had those flows with just milk and money from day one and yeah worked well right then you've probably seen or heard me speaking about space goods over the past few months it's a new brand that i've been working on essentially the next generation wellness brand and our first product remedus version one is an all-in-one super powerful daily powder concoction blend designed to unlock your supernatural self get you into your prime creator state to do your very best work experience sharper focus sustained energy and a zen-like calm throughout the day just like a psychedelic microdose but it's legal you're allowed to actually buy it in the uk and across the world and this is really the first product and the first version of the first product in a much longer vision i think i'm building a brand for an industry that isn't really even there yet it's largely illegal still across the whole world but i think that's massively changing and i really think space goods is going to be positioned as the first uk brand in this space ready for a market that's going to explode so yeah really appreciate if you go check it out rainbow dust version one So, Daily Mail happens. Yep. 75k in a day. Just fast forwarding a little bit. What did the business look like quickly after that? Like, did that tail off in terms of like organic? I mean, I imagine it did to an extent, but like, what was the ad spend like after that? Did you, how, how quick did you scale it basically? Mm. And, and was it only Australia and UK? We were selling to or just dedicated websites? That's a lot of questions. But. Uh, yeah, so we pretty much scaled to like, I think we were spending like two two grand a day or something on Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, in the UK and Oz. Mm. It was going super well. Like a great ROAS. 
mm. on Facebook ads back when you could actually. I've got a daily spend limit right now of 200 quid. Yeah. It's making me rip my hair out. Yeah. Because it's like, I want to scale it to 2K tomorrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to get that fixed. So back in the days when you could actually trust the Facebook ads dashboard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was going super well. We launched in America in August. So if you think May, Daily Mail, we put, we got an Amex card and we paid for inventory on an Amex card, fulfilled yeah. all those orders in, in June. Um, the Facebook ad was going well, getting more and more PR articles because it was a, a new product. Um, yeah. Influence was going really well. We did Black Friday and that was our first ever Black Friday of our first ever business. Yeah. And we were like, holy shit, this is amazing. So was that bigger than the PR day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. It was Black, Black Friday is fun. Like, we're, you know, the, my brand's not big. Like, you've had, you know, obviously huge brands on the podcast, and there's way more bigger brands than this, but it was, it, everyone's got to start somewhere, right? And it was like, it was super cool for us. I don't think this brand's ever going to be like a $100 million brand just because of the niche that it is. And we can talk about that a bit, but like, it was just super cool to like launch our own company, mm. have that initial success, expand it even more, have a cool Black Friday. Um, and why? And I were just like, you know what? We we wanted to launch a business and we've we've done it. And we've got it to a certain level of success and we just, yeah, it was sick. Yeah, so, I mean, assuming you did seven figures in the first year then because you're doing 75K a day. We did seven figures in, in our first four, four months. Um, Aussie and then like seven figures on our first like five months US so so multi seven figures in the first 12 months like US yeah 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 so that is that is a very good effort for a fucking particularly for a first thing so yeah. you, sh- you shouldn't downplay it yeah um That's and good. H- how how did the business look at the, at the end of that 12 months so like you've got a run rate of a few mil well and in terms of like what ad channels are you running how many people are in the business is there any full-time employees? Is it all outsourced? Yep. Um, still zero full-time employees, which I think is a mistake of ours, which we're still working on. Mm. Found it very difficult to get the right talent. Um, we had one, she was like half-time. Oh, yeah. She was like half-time, so to speak with us um operations jack of all trades manager so she was like managing operations so talks with our supply chain our so our manufacturer our logistic company our 3pl as well as doing influencer work and affiliate work and things like that which has just been amazing it helped us a lot um and then we had some agencies on board for email and pr yeah oh sorry I should have handed you that one I made it very difficult to record no worries um, but so December was a fucking nightmare logistically December 20 yeah um, we Black Friday before Black Friday so November 2020 yeah we had the great idea of deciding to switch our 3PL. This is when my life started to end as well, November 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so we 
knowing nothing better and obviously during at that point obviously supply chain has gone much worse since then but that yeah. point was the most hectic time in logistics history and we're like let's let's change warehouses yeah so we were just unsatisfied with our current warehouse found another one and made the process of switching over we try, wanted to get it done before Black Friday before like 27th of November delays 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 um, our warehouse was supposed to transfer stock to our new warehouse yeah and they couldn't they lost like a significant amount of our stock I think 3PL's churn must be so low because people are scared for this yeah yeah literally changing they lost a super significant amount of our stock for some strange reason we're talking material amounts of money here. Just disappeared. Yeah. And then delays in getting it to the warehouse as well and like daily phone calls and like, where is our stock? Where is our stock? Where, like just, you wouldn't even think this would happen. Mm. And then, so that was an issue because that was how we were going to fulfill all of these orders. Then our new warehouse um, there was delays in getting stock from China to that warehouse. We got held up at customs for a couple of weeks. So we're talking biggest ever Black Friday. Well, sorry, it was our first Black Friday, but huge Black Friday. Yeah. It's now the first week of December and we have zero stock to fulfill all these orders. Um, already going overboard on customer service which was at the and, time and that was stock you already had and had paid for it just disappeared yeah, yeah. it wasn't like you hadn't bought it yeah yeah, yeah. Fuck. um similar to me and then yeah the stock took forever to arrive finally got to our new warehouse from customs and i remember why and i were meeting for the first time since we launched the business because of lockdowns Fuck. in sydney that weekend and it was supposed yeah. to be a celebration <laughs> And it was like the Friday and we'd been promised by our new warehouse that Friday that everything was going to be fulfilled. It's all good. And we're like, okay, like we've dealt with all the customer support, you know, done overtime in that, that space. Were you doing that yourself, by the way? Or did you outsource that? No, we had our, a team member on that. Yeah. But we hopped in for those, that, yeah, those but. two weeks to go overtime and then it got even worse after that. And then as so we like got this, you know, we met up with a couple of friends, got a nice hotel, like we're able to spend a bit of money in Sydney for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then we got it because the, this 3PL was in the UK. It was like midnight. So it was just the UK one that was fucked, was it? Not Australia. Um, did, 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 you, did you have to, I'm assuming? Yeah, just the UK one that was screwed. Australia was... Can you name the company? No. Not doing I've that. had some bad experiences with 3PLs. Probably not that bad, to be fair. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was like midnight on this Friday and we were pretty drunk and we got an email going like we, from the warehouse going, we can't fulfill your stock. We forgot a piece in your like compliance work. Forgot? What's that yeah, mean? Yeah, like there's, you need to get these certificates done. And we're like, you're joking. Like we've been onboarding with you for two weeks. You know what? There's actually nothing worse. I think probably, I mean... A lot of people listening and entrepreneurs can relate to this than being in like what should be a celebratory or a nice situation 
and having stress that only you or you and your business partner in your case know about. Mm. Because one distinct example, and, and I, sorry to not change the subject, That's but okay. I remember fucking, I went for a weekend away with my girlfriend at the time. And this was like, it would have been end of October, start of November, I don't know, late 2020, just when like, all these problems with, with the fucking neon supply chain started to happen. And I remember getting a similar, like yeah. finding out something and thinking, yeah. oh, I, th- I think it might have even been Stripe had shut us down or something. Yeah holding like 300 grand or whatever. And I was yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. So, and that was on the Friday. So the entire weekend was ruined. Yeah. And I was drinking because it's meant to be a like, nice weekend away. And that makes things worse because mm. of the anxiety. Mm. So like e-com anxiety plus oh, like what's meant to be a nice situation. Ah, oh, it's a horrible combination. Horrible. And you'd rather not know almost. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why now if I was doing something like that again, I would leave, you know, I wouldn't have my email on my phone, leave my laptop, but yeah, I can and- relate. It's horrible. Funny, so, yeah, so that was a panic attack, to say the least. And the worst thing was because of our cust- our stock had already been delayed getting to the UK. Mm. We'd been ta- emailing our customers going like, sorry, there's been a, a delay with customs. It's going to be another week. And then another delay with customs. We had like three delays with customs. And so we had sent all our customers that were waiting on orders, like four emails now going, sorry, there's been four delays. Yeah. And at this point, they'd been very forgiving. You know, we'd been mm. well-written emails, flashbacks. well-written emails. But at this point, people were starting to call bullshit. And charge back, I imagine. Yeah. And they're like, this is the fourth email now that you've given me a delay. Like, you're lying to me. Do we even have the stock? Like, I want my money back. This mm. is like, what's going on? Um, And so we had the the level of support tickets in gorgeous use gorgeous yeah yeah. I, I literally I'm getting flashbacks yeah. here I was getting 700 emails a day at one point yeah we, I bet you were similar yeah and so we are like that was the Friday the Saturday like I got a phone call from our jack of all trades general manager who was doing our customer support she called me and she was in tears <sighs> Um, White and I woke up very hungover and we spent all morning and early afternoon plowing through customer support tickets. I'm actually, I I never related to a a podcast guest as much. (laughs) Yeah. It was actually kind of fun, like that that hungover. This is why I'm so grateful to have a partner because like Mm. we made that experience fun. Yeah. We we went through it in the trenches together. Like, you know, if we can make it through this, we can make it through anything kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, and so the whole deal with this warehouse like they couldn't fulfill because of some issue we ended up having to hire an empty warehouse with our logistics company in the port of england and redirect stock to this empty warehouse and manually fulfill it using like one of those um like so not we'd, we'd fulfilled what, it not why couldn't the 3 pl fulfill it uh, they needed like sounds horribly complicated. They were super strict with you know that product ticks that they had to have on products, and we need. Is it because to... it was electrical? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so we got that sorted, but pretty much we had to do like I can just imagine it as like a movie. It was like this this empty warehouse where we were just filling it using like those pay same day delivery kind of option things where manually printing out labels and fucking. Stuff, you know. So we got it done. I was, um, I was, we were both in Australia and this was a UK issue. So I was up at, you know, from midnight to 3am personally taking calls with our customers. 
having to calm them down and mm. my sales background helped a ton in that like I'm used to these conversations yeah um, they were fine we got through it but December like we toned things down a lot because of supply issues and then by January we were fine again and up and running so. so you went through all that shit which gives me horrible flashbacks to Neon Beach probably have PTSD for the next week sorry about that how quickly like did that do any like brand damage in terms of like trust pilot and stuff because I know for me I mean I obviously didn't recover from mine but I had like 6,000 one stars in like a month um, or a few months it did do a little damage and that's why we kind of toned things down in December because we were like okay let's just limit the damage yeah um we got a little bit of trust bar that hates, but mm. I guess a side effect or a little bit of good fortune is that we are a, like a low volume in terms of order yeah. company with a, with an AOV of 400 pounds, $500. Yeah, so we're not doing huge volume. So like we don't get that effect of like thousands of bad, bad orders. Bad yeah, reviews. Sorry. I guess the down and it's because Neon was like three hundred and forty quid, so it's relatively similar. Oh right. But the downside to that is obviously when someone spends that kind of money, yeah, they really fucking care. Yeah, so it, I it's mean, we're spending twenty quid on a t-shirt. I guess we, yeah, we weren't doing the same volume that you would have been doing with that that company. Like we were pretty small-ish back then, but we, yeah, I mean, we just got through it, like. We went ham on the customer support. I was personally phone calling a lot of customers. Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that to be fair. Like I... Maybe I should have. Who knows? Like we we went hard on the emailing of them. We sent some pretty like hardcore campaign emails to our customers, you know. Please like, don't dispute the payment. Just like... <laughs> yeah. We're, we're real people. We are... We've had a lot of issues... Blah, blah blah yeah you know phone calls phone calls phone calls <laughs> like I was spending like half an hour on the phone with some of these customers just mm. chatting just like look I need you to understand yeah like what's going on I'm so sorry I will give you I am the I'm the owner of this company and I'm about to tell you like exactly what's happened so you yeah. can empathize and understand with me and mm. I would happily do that like five times over yeah um honesty wins in those situations doesn't it honesty always wins man most people have most people are fairly human yeah when it comes down to it people and understanding and emphasis and em, is that the word like empathetic of it if something has genuinely gone wrong and you genuinely explain it to them mm. more often than not unless you've had a lot of bad luck you can make your way out of it I think yeah did you get any like super bad trolls? Like how bad did it get? Because I mean, again, I'm just having flashbacks to what happened to me, which was probably an extreme example. But was there any of that like real bad hate online and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then, this is in the first year of e-com as well. This would put most people off for life. Yeah. I think we're just, you know, maybe, maybe those stoic books you read back in the day. Yeah. Serve some use. <laughs> Ryan Holiday. Thanks, Ryan Holiday, for getting yeah, me through. For sure. Um, I mean, yeah, like we have to put up with tons of shit as business owners, and I think we just were prepared mentally for something like this to happen, and 
having that support network of each other was was good yeah yeah definitely we got through it yeah sick so coming on to after that then so 2021 um, I forget it's fucking nearly halfway through 2022 already I know time flies so 2021 compared to 2020 how was that did you continue to grow because I know know a lot of brands struggled in 2021 compared to 2020 many I know of as well yeah because obviously COVID was less of a boom like how did you fare in that and like broadly speaking what was the approach in 2021 interesting year for sure um january through march was fucking huge Mm. we had some really good press articles like we were featured in gq featured in some huge uh media articles in the uk yeah a couple of really big celebrities got behind us in the uk as well um like england rugby stars were using our product Celebrities from all your reality TV shows over here were using them. Love uh, Island. Yeah, like some of the Made in Chelsea people were using them. And, yeah. You know, to all their millions of followers, blah, blah, blah. And we just skyrocketed. Um, then iOS 14 happened. Yeah, fuck. And that hit us like a ton of bricks. Um, and... That's when we really realised, okay, like we're a one skew company. Yeah, I haven't actually asked you that. Yeah, I, I knew was, people listening probably won't. Well, they'll have googled it, but it's always been the one same product. Yeah. One skew, which means that's great and terrible at the same time, right? Because that's the same in me. Yeah, kind of scares me sometimes. People don't like but it. You're, you've got else. obviously bigger plans than. One yeah, skew, for but. sure. Yeah, longer term. So we had like very small repeat business. Um, you know no other products with low acquisition costs or no acquisition costs no upsells blah 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 and we're like wow we've really just been riding on the coattails of Facebook ads this whole time Mm. and we're very vulnerable and so that that rapid growth kind of just went like yeah and even like that for a little bit Mm. Um, and we you know I guess that at that same time you know on a personal level I was in and out of lockdown in Melbourne for forever and my mental health was struggling mm. a lot. I didn't, I, the last time I saw Wyatt was, well, the only time I'd seen Wyatt since we started the business was in Sydney, which is when we were having a fucking panic attack fucking because yeah. of that thing. So like we hadn't had a chance to, you know, the setup that you have here with like a brother with you grinding, like we didn't, we didn't have that at all. It was kind of just over it despite the fact that we'd on paper achieved. Yeah, um, actually on that point, where were you working from like throughout the first year and the, the parts of the second year? My apartment by myself. Yeah, fuck that, especially in lockdown. Yeah, it was a real struggle. I lived by myself for two months in Newcastle like four years ago when I first dropped out of uni before I went travelling. And I decided then and then never again. It's not yeah. for me. It has its I need pros. people around me. It does have its pros, yeah. I just prefer... The energy it's, of like flatmates and shit. It's something I'm working together. wrestling with right now. And I think I'm, I've been doing solo living for like two years now. And I think I'm done. Mm. It has its pros probably for more like a personal I'll just set you up just here. Get another desk. Have you got a spare room? I'll move in. Well, he's talking about fucking moving out in June. I've got two year lease here. So there you go. Could be an option. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a struggle. Like, 
I'm, I think Wyatt is uh, very happy by himself. He's got a great life where he lives and he's all, all good. But like, I was like fucking, I need people with me, you know. Yeah. I, need, I feed off the energy of others, yeah, et cetera, same. et cetera. So very much a struggle. Um, lockdown, 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 all that crap. Um, we didn't really, we didn't grow our team that much, which we should have. Like, I think in order to grow our team, like in order to, we'd, we'd skyrocketed to a point where we're a comfortable mid seven figure brand within a year already. Which is chaos, by the way, like statistically. Yeah. It's fucking um, good. We're also with this, like, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but we're also like wrestling with the idea that we're not like a mainstream product, mm. which is, which means what is the level of scale we can get to with this brand? We're not selling supplements. We're not selling clothes. We're not selling something with a, uh, you know, total audience of hundreds of millions. We're selling portable infrared saunas. How, how many people? I'm still convinced with the one look at the website, it gets a hundred mil revenue. We can get we can get onto that in a second, maybe. Uh, but uh, I, I'm happy with that. I just and the reason I say that is it's, again, slight side note. But I had a private equity fund approach me just before everything went wrong with Neon, which got me excited because I started fucking looking at fucking Lamborghini Aventadors I could buy in like two months time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. they're an American company, and they were like, "We really like Neon Beach, blah blah blah." And they were like, "I was just thinking, yeah, maybe we could scale it to." I don't know 20 million revenue because it was on that trajectory and they said they took a brand called Ruggable from 5 million in revenue I know to Ruggable. 300 million in <coughs> revenue in two years Yeah, run rate Yeah, and I was like okay this is the one thing I like about Americans they think fucking big they do and they were like That's we think Neon Americans. Lights could be a billion dollar revenue business and I, by the way still think it could I think it could do like it, I, I think there's no main brand in that space that's done it yet but sadly it's not going to be me because I'm going to do it. Have you this. heard of um, oh, Yellow Pop? No. Custom Neon? No. Australian brand. Custom Neon is the Australian one. I spoke with the founder. No, it's He's not. He's the biggest in Australia. Neon. No. There's a few. Electric Confetti or something. No. Oh, fuck. Name escapes me. Anyway, I, there's quite a few now. I I sold them into a, like a package with my that agency ages ago and they're doing super well now, but I forgot what they're called. Anyway. Um, I, I still have like flat. I still like that market, but. Um, Anyway, what, what was I saying? Um, but yeah, like the scale, I, I, I'm pretty convinced almost anything could get to 10 million in revenue and anything yeah. decent can get to 100. It's more about, and I say that having never got to 100, <laughs> but I just... No, I agree. To build on that point, I, I actually think, and I said this to Alex, one of my investors the other day, we have like a monthly call and this was before I launched like a week ago. I'm pretty convinced absolutely anything can get to like multi-mills in revenue. It's way more about execution than the idea. Yeah. I passionately 100%. believe that. I think way too many people, and this is like good advice, so anyone listening should listen. I think way too many people obsess over, oh, I need to think of an idea, I need to think of an idea. No, you don't. You need to fucking execute on a decent idea, but most people can't execute because they don't start any idea to build experience yeah. to execute on a good idea. I think if you're... Good execution enough. trumps everything if you're good enough you can create a market 100% and that's what I'm trying to do yeah I can and creating a market is a long game it's it's not like a 
direct response, running ads through a product page, getting a good ROAS yeah. kind of game. It's a creating a movement. It's creating a community. It's creating it's a brand. It's a tenacious belief in a market that doesn't exist yet, which again is, is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking like, cause I just, I don't know what it is. They say like gut instinct is like the three million receptors in your gut or some mm-hmm. bullshit compared yeah. to your main brain. That's true. I've read about it. And I just, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way about your brand, but I, I've sold like fucking 10 grand's worth and I'm, I believe it's gonna be a billion pound brand. Yeah. And we've only sold 10 grand's worth because fucking ad accounts limited to 200 pound a day. <laughs> but anyway, um, not a bad first week, all things considered. But what were we saying? What was the point? Um, uh, in terms of potential scale in 2021. Yeah, just we were just, 2021. Oh, okay, 2021 and the struggles that, we, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we, I feel like, could have done a lot of things better. Could have launched more products last year. Could have hired more team. Could have been more efficient at work. Um, but we still managed all right. And the things are looking good now. But it's just like there's, there's lots of things that go on besides, you know, the market that, dictates the success of your brand like you know hiring team the founders yeah mental sure. health the yeah. all all this, there's a reason why like 99 percent of businesses don't work because like there are fucking tons of factors involved and in yeah what actually makes something succeed so. yeah so just on that because i think a lot of people listening will be wondering yeah how are you actually driving traffic to be a multi-million pound dollar whatever you want to call it multi-million level brand because mm-hmm. that's what i think most people struggle with is you know maybe they can get something they've got an idea they build the website they can't even get the fucking first few sales or, or they can but then they can't scale it consistently i get dms like this all the time i've like i've got to 30 grand in revenue but then it stopped working yeah so like for you obviously paid media etc cetera, etc cetera, but what did that actually look like in terms of where are you running ads what was working best yeah and, and why do you think it worked for you in terms of the metrics in the business, like large AOV, et cetera? Mm. Um, Facebook's always been big for us. You know, we spend over six figures on Facebook a month um, and that's always worked. Yeah. Um, Google is a consistent... Google just mops up the traffic, right? Yeah, agreed. Like, Google, it, we're... We're generating awareness via Facebook and PR influencers and that overall category of infrared saunas and infrared sauna blankets is growing. So that means that people search for it and we'll mop that up with Google ads and SEO. Yeah. So really, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just influencers, Facebook ads, PR, affiliates, Google ads, strong email marketing. You haven't mentioned TikTok. We just started TikTok just started tiktok like because yeah that's the that's the big thing where it's the first platform ever where i feel like i'm too old to get it yeah so i've actually just hired someone from america which i found on twitter yeah he's going live like next week to run the organic because in my mind tiktok is two things it's paid and organic and organic is effectively a paid channel because you're just paying creators rather than yeah impressions yeah so i'm intrigued to see how that goes yeah tiktok is it's tricky like some some people get lucky with the product some products are way easier to do on tiktok than others like 
Have you seen that guy selling like sex chocolate? Yeah, I, I speak to the founder, Tabs. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if he watches this, but yeah, seems like a fucking it's a fucking great brand, I, I think. Um, but I think they're doing like multi six figures a yeah. month in revenue yeah. with no ad spend. Yeah. Which blew my fucking mind, Crazy. by the way. But like, obviously the, they're spending a lot on creators and influencers, but on TikTok of like sex chocolate, like sex sells, right? Sex chocolate, two great things. Yeah. 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 Like anything that's remotely connected to sex is going to get attention. And on TikTok, that's everything. So yeah, it's, that's a perfect brand for TikTok, honestly. So he can create, and it's chocolate as well as like the, to create a TikTok's quick, but for us, we have an infrared sauna blanket where it takes 45 minutes for you to have the full session yeah. to, to start sweating and stuff. And so to actually- I still think it could slap. I do. And so, we, yeah, start on it. We just need, we're, we're working on it, but we just haven't cracked it yet. But yeah, nothing comes quickly in this game, so. And over like the past trailing 12 months, as a percentage wise, like how would spend be split across channels? even post iOS 14. Facebook would still be 80%. Really? Fucking hell. That is a lot. Yeah. I, thought, I would I have mean, thought Google would be more, as in well, more than 20%. There's so. a ceiling to Google. Like, it's not still not that much search volume for infrared saunas. Yeah, true. You know, so like with Google, everyone, there's always a ceiling in your market to Google because it's limited by the search volume. So... Yeah. And even if we run ads, so we're a blanket, even if we run ads on infrared sauna, mm. it it's really not, doesn't move the needle much because we're competing against saunas. Yeah. So, yeah. And at this point, are you running ads yourself? I assume not. You've got an agency. Ooh. Because, yeah, I've had plenty of, bad and good experiences no, sorry we run Facebook ads in-house but Google ads we have we have we don't have an agency we have a contractor so in-house you, when you say in-house you've hired someone full-time just to run Facebook I'm running Facebook oh you're running Facebook which so is I was like going to say how the fuck is Facebook ads alone how is that full-time job which is like we've tried to find people to run it I really don't want to give it away to an agency why just don't trust agencies because I've had this, this debate with myself and other people many a time because I, I spent millions on Facebook myself. Yeah. Never Google, by the way. Only ever Facebook and Instagram. Like, over the years, drop shipping, whatever. Did, did my Midnight City ads myself and then did, probably spent like a million quid myself on Neon, then I outsourced it. But my logic was always, if I'm going to build this, you know, nine-figure brand, I can't do that by being... Like yeah. I actually said on Twitter earlier, someone asked me this, like, how did yeah. you feel when you outsourced ads? I think I tweeted about media buying for the first time like ever. And I replied, it's quite a good analysis, actually. I said something along the lines of, I was caffeinated at the time. I'm trying to build a billion dollar brand, which means I need to be the the, the um, conductor, not the violinist. Yeah, 100%. I never heard that metaphor before, but... That's a, that's a great metaphor. And it's almost like, I think long-term, I realized that I would rather get hypothetically a two ROAS with an agency than a 2.5 ROAS doing it myself. Mm. Because also if, if you're required to run such a significant part of the business, then how is it ever exitable? Yeah. Obviously you could outsource it within a week, but you want to have a track record of it working without you being there. And if you, if you're required, then in my mind, it's not a business. It's like a job. Yeah. I agree. Obviously it is a business, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
that's one of the things that we definitely need to work on for sure. Like actually getting a lot more of our, of the stuff outsourced in our business. Mm. Um, just hate agencies. We've, we've always tried <laughs> There's to- There's a lot of shit agencies. We've There's always- too many agencies, that's the problem. We've always like thought, okay, we can just bring someone in and, and hire them internally. Mm. Um, I tried that though yeah. with Neon. Yeah. Like usually you can put more of like a performance basis in, whereas obviously an employee is kind of just like a salary. Yeah. So I've come to the conclusion that agency is best, but I was probably a shit client as well for many agencies because I had a, probably more experience than many of the agencies, mm. which was the problem. We've we've interviewed like four agencies in the past like two months, and we're still like we we we're, we're getting closer to pulling that trigger. Uh, I think it has to happen. Yeah. For the long term. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But there's one thing I would say for for people like starting out is that you need to have like an eighty percent knowledge of Facebook ads before you hundred percent just media buying in general. I would say. Yeah. Like, how are you gonna understand if your business is how are you going to understand if a third party is doing well if you don't even understand the work that the third party is doing? That's why I fired so many agencies. Yeah. Because I could call them out on shit that yeah. probably other clients wouldn't have done because yeah. I'd spent more on ads myself yeah. than probably any of the media buyers in the agency had. Like we have an agency right now doing some media buying in a certain area and like, yeah, you can tell that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the problem with agencies, not to spend too long on this topic, is it's become a bit, bit of a meme, like, you know, SMMA, there's literally like 18 year olds with zero experience starting agencies and trying to charge like legit fucking agency prices. Yeah. And it's like, you have no experience. It's because there's so many courses out there going, there's courses out there going, you can start an agency. It's this easy. And then the course itself is is easy. Sell someone and then hire someone from Upwork to do the work for you. And then get a sales process. If you're paying an agency, you're actually paying for some Upworker to do it's effectively yeah, media buying me arbitrage yeah that's basically what most agencies is yeah media buying arbitrage but um there are good ones i think yeah i i have mates that run good good ones there are definitely some good um, ones yeah but yeah they're few and far between for sure in terms of scale then yep like you mentioned earlier you already mentioned like your next brand or potentially another brand you want to work on where do you see Get me high. Is it get me high? Get my high? Uh, it's just my high. My high. My Sorry, high, yeah. yeah. My high. Where do you see it going? Like, do you have a clear vision now for it? And and if so, how has that changed since you started it? Yeah, that's a great question. So pretty much we, we've become known for you know, getting a, an infrared sauna from the comfort of your own home. And so we want to expand that into recovery products from the comfort of your own home. So... Mm interesting we have quite a few products under the works right now which are similar high-tech recovery products that you can use at home and so we that's where the brand will go it will be like similar to like the therabody hyper ice you've seen a brand called current body what body current body current got acquired for like 60 million in cash about six months ago I actually know the guy that runs oh, yeah. the fund that bought the brand. And they, they sell, sell like, it just reminded me of it. They sell like high tech at home beauty products. Oh, so okay. like expensive, like face yeah. 
lasers, whatever. Similar concept. Yeah. You should look at it. Um, I'll definitely have a look at it, but that's that's the future. So we've got some exciting products in like, you know, the yoga space that we're working on, which is, that's mass market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the there's a lot of health and recovery and wellness tech products like high price Theragun Peloton yeah fuck that, Alex that, massive that we can I want a Theragun on. yeah and we're we're not we don't see ourselves as that kind of business we don't want to go into the billion dollar territory why um that can that well firstly probably personal lifestyle reasons mm. like we've never really had that ambition of running like a thousand person company Hmm. Um, because of just we would like to have freedom run a lifestyle business and enjoy life but is it a lifestyle business now? yeah yeah like it's pretty cruisy when did it become that? because I'm back in the trenches with my new brand now yeah and I've had plenty of nice lifestyle experiences in the past you know the fruits of e-commerce success but obviously, I, I don't feel that at all right now. Like, I'm enjoying the trenches right now, to be fair. I genuinely am because I'm excited by it. But like, yeah. when do you think that became that? Because obviously at the start, it fucking isn't that. It's the absolute opposite. It's constant anxiety. Like every day is like mm. hit or miss. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say within the first like nine months-ish. Like we could probably scale, we could have probably tried to scale it a lot harder if we wanted to. Yeah. Try to hire more team, things like that. Not always a good idea. Yeah. How about that? Um, but I think in terms of like, okay, if we wanted to, if you want to reach like nine figure status, um, sorry, no, what's that? Eight figure status. No, nine, no, nine figure. Nine, nine is hundred mil. mil. Yeah. Um, it just has everything has to feel right, you know, the the connection with the the team, the products. If it feels right, we'll do it. If it doesn't feel right, we won't. But right now, it's our first brand. We're probably going to go for like an exit first before we do that. So it might be another brand. Um, do you know what the other brand would be though? Because if you're already thinking about expansion opportunities, why would you be thinking about set, potentially selling this one and then starting another thing rather than being like, oh, it's working. Let's see how fucking big we can go with this one. Um, because we can always do it with different products again like they're it's not like we're going to do it again with sauna blankets for yeah, example yeah um, and I think from a personal level there's a great benefit in like getting a first exit under your belt um, getting like a financial event under mm. your belt before. liquidation event yeah liquidation that's when you go and buy a Rolls Royce Dawn and fucking piss off everyone you went to school with yeah yeah rock up to the reunion yeah do you think you're passionate about the business and, and the space or is it more fuck yeah we escaped the matrix it's going well and and, and that's maybe why you're alluding to wanting to kind of de-risk through a potential exit um, rather than like this could be my 20 year you know mission or whatever not that everyone has that but I think it's like a combo of both in the sense that like I love wellness, love health, love saunas. Um, but 
I'm also in this pro like my first reason for getting into this was because I want to construct the best life for myself mm. so to be I need to be sensible about that rationale which is like okay if I can get a solid exit under my belt quickly that ticks that box and you don't want to be that person that has ridden something all the way up and then not got anything from it right mm-hmm. yeah um, so I think if we can just nail that then that would be a, a good risk off scenario for us but how far away do you think that is is, is that something you're even actually pursuing now like is there a plan in place for you know the certain scale you get the business to who you have a conversation with or is that just in the next few years uh, you'll see you'll see so, so, so something's happening potentially maybe that'd be pretty cool in yeah. two years yeah I think that is the the power of building a brand mm. and a what look well again I, I don't know the market very well but what looks like a market leader as opposed to just drop shipping yeah which a lot of people that watch the podcast I know are in um yeah obviously like I, I've tried to build like market leading brands and I, I think I did that with Neon but then it went wrong but yeah like the intention with this next one is like yeah I mean fucking get filthy rich from it but <laughs> also I guess to be fair like I mean it's a funny one isn't it because I speak about this in like this group chat we have we call it like pursuit of greatness or some bullshit which is probably a very niche group chat for young men but I think a lot that's, of young men want to pursue, yeah. pursue greatness I mean because I was saying like good. this space like psychedelic wellness mental yeah. wellness whatever it's something I definitely could see me working on in some capacity until I fucking die but someone came along saying three years ago to a fucking 30 million revenue run rate which I reckon I could do easy, easy to say that a weekend but um, if someone comes along and fucking buys it for 100 mil obviously I'd say yes and then you're out of the game but you can start the next thing in a similar space mm. so yeah I mean it's a balance isn't it between well at least for me between like saying oh I want to build a billion dollar company but also if someone offers me fucking 20, 50, 100 yeah. mil that's a different it's, conversation it is a balancing act because I think if you just zoom out from it all and the reason we got into this space in the first place well for me was like freedom and freedom is financial freedom time freedom etc etc and so like I have to say yes to I have to follow that that north star so to speak yeah um, and if the, at the end of the day if I'm 40 years old and I look back on my life like I would much rather have sold a business for a decent amount of money invested it wisely started another business with that security as opposed to like that high risk of like trying to yeah I definitely see what you're saying trying to ride something mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm just trying to play the odds to be honest I mean I look at a lot of successful people in their 40s that I kind of see as like a virtual mentor kind of thing and I'm like okay well mm. what are my best odds of getting there um, and let's just let's play that game what do you think the number is that buys freedom because I've not really, I've not asked that explicit question before, but I've alluded to it on the podcast, yeah. and I think it's a lot less than people might instinctively say. I, so, so I have a number in my head, but I'm interested. 
to see what, what you say because again we don't really use numbers in this podcast but I think people want to hear numbers yeah and obviously we're not talking about actual acquisitions Every, or whatever everyone wants to hear numbers I think it's um, highly highly subjective because everyone has different desires mm. someone might be happy if they can have you know three five million dollar houses around the world which is already and if they're paying cash it's 15 million already done some people might be happy with just 20 million and putting a couple of that in a fund and getting a million every year mm. um, or 500 grand every year or something like that so I, I don't know I don't think I can answer that like everyone's different but I think the way where we're going 20 million plus is like a freedom-ish figure but do you think you need that much to be free? Because in my head, I think the number's five million. Because the reason I say that is like, five million invested, assuming you fucking keep a million to just fucking spend on stupid shit, four million quid invested, pounds, you know, 5%, what's that? Nearly a million a year. Sorry, not a million a year, 200 grand a year. Um, yeah. Thereabouts, which passively, aside from buying big houses and shit, like you could just rent somewhere sick and still have fucking like 10 grand a month left over if you bought I mean, I know, that's what I mean like everyone's different right like if you that's like the baseline in my head I think that is the if you were never going to do anything ever again by the way just assuming you never have any more income yeah that is the lowest baseline but it also means you can't buy any property anywhere you can't go buy a ton of nice cars you would just be like yeah you, you probably could actually rent a couple of nice cars for that, that amount of money well yeah and yeah. buy yeah you probably could buy one or two but it just depends on your habits I think that's the baseline but I mean obviously yeah beyond that way beyond that I guess yeah it, it does depend I think any any entrepreneur though and again mm. someone we were mentioning off camera before who had a big liquidation event he basically told me they were fucking a bit like lost and unfulfilled at the minute having made more than we were saying yeah and it's like fuck but, that's kind of deep because if you don't have the people around you yeah to share that with it's kind of pointless I mean all yeah people are the most important thing in life I think yeah 100% which is why I think it's so important to have a good circle and network because I, I was saying in our group chat like we always like flippantly say like we're all going to make like 100 mil we're all going to be billionaires and it's only going to be good because we're fucking be on the yacht together yeah or in the fucking Cullinan together and then and I'm convinced that will happen Mm. it will happen Mm. it's already happened yeah in my head because we and other people on this podcast whatever we're on on that trajectory but yeah I mean it would be be a sad state to be like a billionaire and fucking have no one there it really would I mean which is why I try and like just fucking be a decent person and shit <laughs> and make some friends yeah and I make some friends because yeah. a lot of people don't and yeah. like they're fucking like online losers or whatever and they might know, be making right? all this money from NFTs but yeah it's, they have like no mates it's like money doesn't buy you happiness but it makes it easier to achieve happiness in my opinion but 100% you need to have a social circle and friends and the people around you ultimately it's like um, I heard someone saying this the other day like you can move to the the greatest city in the world right yeah but if you have zero friends there 
it's probably going to be the worst city in the world. I completely fucking agree because I've travelled a lot in the past. Yeah. And been to sick places and like literally found myself in, I don't know, certain situations or scenarios or times at those places where I was just by myself because, I don't know, whatever, wasn't there with someone or and you think, fuck this. Yeah. I'd rather be at home with people I know. Yeah. I'd be on my couch at home chilling with my mates. Yeah, 100%. So that's kind of why, in fact, on that, that's actually why I chose to like set up shop, build a base in London like three years ago because I I was very aware having travelled for multiple years Mm. that granted there's loads of great people including Aussies that I've met travelling of which I still speak to and are close friends today but I don't see them because that they're based in fucking Melbourne and shit and that's the downside of like the whole nomad kind of online freedom location Mm. location freedom lifestyle is that if you don't build the foundations and compound a social circle in one place Mm. it's very hard to have that social circle yeah so what was the logic you moving from Australia to London (laughs) I just remember you said that mine was more of a frustration kind of move um Hmm. Melbourne had the longest lockdown in the world I heard about that uh which surprised me because I always thought Australia is quite a free country you can reverse that opinion right now because it's not it's a big big nanny state and I was just fully over it like I had just two years of adventure built up inside of me ready to let loose um as well as a lot of frustration about the whole situation so I decided like I was born born in England might as well try England for a bit meet some people over there um but I'm still yeah I'm still figuring out where I want to base myself I think building that community of like-minded people is super important um I have a few people like that in Melbourne, but it's not like nothing's permanent. Like I, I don't know if I'm going to stay in London permanently, but I'm here at least for the summer because it is, it is good. How long have you been here? Two months. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. No, it's, I think it's the best place in the world in summer. Mm. I honestly do. And there's a lot of people that shit on London, not in like the Twitter sphere, which I've said before. Yeah. But for me, yeah, great place. Um, And it, it is easy to forget that like meeting people that are in a similar space especially when you go to a new country or whatever it's easy to forget that that's not that common because Mm. running an econ brand doing your own thing particularly in your 20s generally speaking isn't that common like statistically it's probably 1% it's probably actually less than that yeah and yeah it's mad because everyone that watches this podcast is kind of in that sphere or probably is trying to get into that sphere and everyone I know in London basically is that I have like schoolmates and shit, but yeah, like my entire circle is that really. And yeah, I think it comes down to the whole fucking like people thing. Like if you don't have the right people around you, A, it's not productive and like motivating, but B, it's not fucking enjoyable because Mm. it's so strange, isn't it? Like it's something that we, we grow up and we idolize and we're like, I want to get into e-com. Hmm. And then you realize, hang on, if I'm not doing this, if I'm doing this by myself in a room with no one else around me, this is actually very miserable. Yeah, I think what a lot of people that aren't entrepreneurs, i.e. like my fucking family and brother, don't realize is like entrepreneurship is the most cripplingly, can be the most cripplingly cripplingly lonely thing in the fucking world, Mm. especially when you're doing it by yourself and it goes wrong. 
i.e. me for about six months last year like it was hell yeah I can imagine yeah. and p- people I always go on rants in these pods but like people see a snapshot of the 1% within entrepreneurship even so like the 1% of the 1% like those that have made it entrepreneurship I look like they're making it with these finance supercars and all this which I'd be the first to say like isn't fucking what you think yeah. it's a lot cheaper to fucking finance a Lambo than people realise yeah it's not that cheap but it's like you don't have to be 20 mil yeah and they forget the like actual crippling level of like any fucking business like I have the utmost respect for anyone that has the balls to start any business particularly like an econ brand Mm. because I honestly think that's harder than agency by the way yeah and yeah that's why it pisses me off when people just speak about doing it for so long yeah and yeah anyone that's got the balls that's watching this to fucking start a business I guess particularly an econ brand like fucking fair play because it's very hard I've done it a few times before and even starting this thing like I'm back back in the e-com trenches the anxiety is real it's (laughs) fucking hard like it's not a nine to five it's a five to nine or whichever way you want to split it another thing I've I've heard you speak about this before as well kind of diving back into tactical land is that the money's not that great because money's shit being (laughs) a brand owner yeah until you get a liquidation event all these internet people are just ruining it for us because it's like I made a hundred grand this month. Yeah. No, oh, you didn't. Don't even get me started. No, you didn't. You <laughs> yeah. made a hundred grand revenue and your mar- your net profit might be like 10%. Yeah. And, and so shut up. Anyone that's saying that, by the way, probably doesn't have a reg- registered business. They've never paid a VAT bill. They've definitely never paid a corporation tax bill. You know, X, Y, Z. They've yeah. got no experience and they're talking shit. Yeah. 99% of those people, which, yeah. yeah, plenty of them probably watching this podcast, but it's just the reality. <laughs> like, it's very true. I actually tweeted about it. I've been tweeting loads of shit recently, but saying like agencies and like content creators, because I've had these comments in the past. They're like, mm-hmm. you're making so much money, pay me more. It's like, no, like you're literally taking home more money than I am for the next three years yeah. until we sell the business. But granted, like my net worth yeah. might be a lot higher. Yeah. But I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, I, I guess, yeah that's why I fucking monetize this podcast and shit <laughs> because it's just another source isn't yeah. it like you've always got to have cash flow and like e-com isn't like did you find I don't want to go too much back into the e-com mm. stuff because now it's all my like fucking philosophical shit but yeah let's go into the life stuff well I was going to say did you have like any fucking cash flow issues but because yes. that's some of my well one of my mates has been speaking about who's scaling very quickly right now and it's a profitable business mm. and that's another thing that people not in the game don't realise so you could be making a million quid EBITDA but if there's cash flow problems, yeah, the business stops. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go too far into that. We can but talk about that. Yeah, so cash flow then, quickly, because yeah. we're in like, I feel like once we go past an hour and 10 minutes, podcast listeners are fucking used to like, there's probably people that skip this and like, mm. fuck, he's going to start talking about girls and fucking like life and shit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's an element of e-com that no one fucking speaks about. Yeah. Because like I just said, you can have a proper, profitable business, which in itself is pretty rare. And still be fairly fucked because like payment reserves, which are, which is what I, which was the biggest killer of Neon Beach, mm. was payment processes. Yeah, probably could have gone, worked through it. I don't use PayPal anymore. PayPal accounts. Do you use PayPal? Yep. Still now. Still. So have you got like a reserve or what? Yeah, they still have some of our money. PayPal is probably the biggest scam company of all time. You like, know what we should mind. do is we should gather the entire money ecom Twitter yeah. together and to start boycott a PayPal. 
even better. Start a, start a competitor. Not even a competitor, start a replacement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should start with boycotting I'm surprised them. they've got away with that for so long, to be fair. It's just wrong. Um, but anyway, in, in, terms in terms of cash flow, e-com, you're making profit, you're making a lot of revenue, but like let's say you've got 75% gross margins, 65% margins after freight inbound, outbound, 35% margins after all marketing spend, 25% margins after OPEX. That's a lot, by the way. Which is a lot. That's so generous. 25% net. Yeah, that's... that's a, I shoot in, for 10% in my head with e-com. That's very generous. But let's say after that, you, you then have to finance your next three months of inventory. Yeah. You know? So inventory is the cash flow killer. Yeah, for um, sure. But there are great tools out there like Wayflyer. Yeah. Clearbank mm. that we've utilized. Yeah. Um, they, they come with fees, but... It's part of the part of the price of growth. Um, investment money you can also be used for that, but I'd rather maintain more of the slice of the exit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there there are tools out there that help massively. On that note, yeah. What do you think's been the single most challenging thing in the roughly two and a half years, especially given it's like a really clean case study of first time econ brand obviously yeah. granted experience like as a fucking professional prior to that yeah and obviously it's gone well yeah so it's a really good case study but what's been the hardest thing I mean I'm imagining maybe parts of what we spoke about earlier but maybe not I, I guess maybe not hardest time but just the hardest thing the hardest part of it um honestly it's been learning how to work alone yeah fuck you live by yourself yeah like the energy levels I have when White and I were together um, or if I'm working with another business owner for the day are just incomparable to when I'm by myself. Like it's kind of very strange. I just feed off the energy of other people. So I think people, yeah. Completely like, agree. It's, it's a very strange thing, but um, learning to kind of harness that energy by myself been on the rainbow dust <laughs> yeah started this week on the rainbow dust um has been been tricky yeah fuck I, I definitely I, I don't think I could do it to be fair yeah how would you say your what's your relationship and your setup like at home with your housemate and he's listening now yeah it's good I mean I I have never lived ever since I left uni I've yeah. never like, for, what, for three years in a few years travelling but then three years in London like I wouldn't live with someone that wasn't running any brand. no just flat out no it would, yeah. would not happen yeah because they wouldn't be on the same page but also yeah it just wouldn't be any fun like no. if you're pushing each other there's like always friendly competition and like I said before like luckily well not luckily but thankfully all, all my fucking close mates are high level on well high level entrepreneurs in their 20s like pushing seven or eight figures yeah and that's normal and because it's normal it's like obviously I'll do it again yeah and then yeah obviously you get to know people that have done that higher level big exits whatever and then you start thinking even bigger so yeah I mean like uh, to be honest I'd rather live by myself than with someone that wasn't an entrepreneur yeah like as bad as you that can sounds just maybe Persuaded and swayed in other ways that you. Don't I actually want think to. like it's been it's been a topic in so many podcasts. I think it's the single most important thing for particularly 
entrepreneurs in their early to mid 20s just in their 20s you know getting started whatever it is or teenagers particularly 20s because you probably finished you and you're moved out just who you hang around with yeah. I honestly think it's the single biggest yeah. foundation to either setting you up on the right path or not fully and agree. you see it all the time go the other way as well yeah I know people that had I thought had you know potential to do something big and got on with the wrong crowd yeah now they're a fucking drug addict and they make no money and yeah. more importantly they don't do anything interesting and it's just sad fully fully agree it's I wish we did a better job of it you know like I feel like there's so many people that want to make it or want to do e-com and I feel like I always have this dream of you know the, like the, the Instagram houses or the TikTok houses or yeah whatever. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like we had with that penthouse over yeah. there like, a, like an e-com years. house I remember me and a, a guy who's I used to live close to in Melbourne super successful runs like two eight figure companies Mm. it's just moved to Los Angeles but we were like we were starting to talk about it in Melbourne Mm. it's just logistically difficult to pull off but always have this dream of like three to four people in a baller pad that's that's what I had I mean it's kind of what we still have now but like you've got the the makings of it now did it in Bali for a while and then that's exactly the thought I had when I was in Bali and when I moved to London after that and yeah we lived in that filthy penthouse like three of us um with one mate in particular who fucking is doing like 25 million revenue run mate and he's 23 everyone so listening will know who he is but um, yeah. yeah and and I think it's so important very like very it keeps that motivation high can you imagine if you're like just living by yourself versus if you're in that like it's just night and day the, the motivation levels that yeah I enjoy the competition like the camaraderie yeah and yeah, like I, I, I'm, I've been told not to speak about this in the podcast again because we're over it now. But <laughs> I lived with my ex-girlfriend yeah. for like a seven-month period during COVID, and that, looking back now, yeah, that was not the right thing to do. No, it, it happened circumstantially at the time, whatever. But I'm not going to go too far into it. But like, honestly, if that hadn't changed, and it changed, we obviously broke up for a fucking reason, and it was a good thing to happen. But yeah, like now. It's night and day. Mm. Just just even the atmosphere. Yeah. Because like, this is actually one thing as well, like, and again, like non-entrepreneurs probably can't relate, but like, work to me, like work, granted, a lot of it feels like work, but I would actually, like particularly like Monday to Friday, granted, like Saturday night, I'm, I'm not grinding. I'm going out, fucking having dinner, whatever, getting pissed. I'm not pissed, but like wine and shit. But like Monday to Friday, yeah, particularly Monday to Thursday, like me and Jack, for example, is literally like like my routine. I get up about eight. I'm literally working and the gym until midnight. Yeah. Every day, then I go to bed. I don't. We don't, we don't watch Netflix. No. And, and there's no. nothing wrong with that, by the way. And and, and I, I I would love to do that with a fucking beautiful girl in my bed on a Saturday night if, if that's what's going to happen. And like, yeah. I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. I'm not being one of these fucking Twitter cunts that's completely unrealistic. But I'm saying like when you're that genuinely emotionally invested in yeah. the pursuit of something, it doesn't fucking feel like work. Like there's nothing I'd 100%. rather do than pursue building my vision. And like I think a lot of people like even my I say my own brother because it's an easy example, but like probably don't even realise the extent to which a lot of normal things, i.e. you finish work and go home and have dinner and watch TV, just is not a fucking thing. Yeah. At all. 
yeah in the life of an entrepreneur if you want to actually be, if you want to actually have a chance at making it there's yeah there's no like you get to 4 30 p.m and you're like all right it's gonna make it through to five and then i can go to the pub yeah it's, it's i just honestly like think you're with a lot of people don't realize no. how different that actually is and it's not even a work thing it's like my my, my and i don't know what you think on this but like I, I literally i would rather fucking yeah. work on my thing like again i'm not saying I do this fucking saturday night like whatever all the time i'm not complete virgin i can go and ibiza on the weekend and we'll have a fucking session for like four days but like when it's work mode it's fucking work mode and it's yeah. not even work it's like building my passion it's and my vision so, yeah. mode some of my it's creation mode some of my most fond moments and funnest times have been like um we used to call them hackathons yeah, yeah even though yeah. We, we don't hack yeah. stuff because we, we don't know how to code but it's like the facebook time isn't it? yeah but like you know you're in there with like two of your mates in a room and you've got some music going and you're just grinding oh, I fucking love that shit until midnight until like one of you calls pink it lights yeah, loud music yeah. like I've got building, lights like this in my house together. too you, you go to like 11.30 midnight until eventually you're like alright my brain's not working anymore yeah I, I get to that before he does yeah and it's it's a fucking great time and that's that's what it's all about what it's about it's not they're the moments when, yeah. when you're a billionaire or whatever it is that you'll look back on and say you know they were the good old days yeah and, and I think you can, an appreciation for the mm. mundaneness of that, like the beauty of that is so important yeah. in the game. It's the same with any other high level skill though, you know, like football players, I'm sure will look back on the thousands of free kicks that they, they do. And they're like, that was some of my fun times or painters will be like, you know, yeah, it's facts. It's like, it's the hours in, in the practice. And as an, as an e-com owner, it's about like, how do you create most, as many moments of those as possible so like yeah. get the environment sorted get your friends sorted so that you can have as many of those moments as possible yeah get the setup right so you can fucking make magic out of the mundane yeah I like that. it's a great way to put it I'm yeah. good with those little terms magic out of the mundane yeah so true though because that is what will move the needle yeah and that is truly like the most fulfilling shit anyway yeah. Like you, you, you can't enjoy like the, the celebration like the fucking sending Ibiza for example or any other thing unless you've gone through the fucking weeks months mm. prior of like the the enjoyable grind a lot of it but like the fucking grind of moving the needle yeah well you know that you know it's that all feeling, about progression that's the you know best that feeling when you get to bed after like a huge day yeah and you've like you know what I fucking crushed it today like, there's no better feeling than progression and like knowing that your efforts are building something yeah. yeah I truly believe that like yeah that's yeah. when you know it's real it is when that shit gets, like just gets me I have those moments every day like I'm just a fucking deeply romantic cunt but like I'll listen to like certain music and there's pink lights on and I'm just like this is where I'm fucking meant to be do you have a uh, a special tune I've got loads I've actually started making playlists and putting them out publicly for like the space goods playlists and shit yeah. I have, I'm so eclectic I'll go from death metal to hip hop to piano music to jazz me too to like romantic rock pop punk bullshit I'll go from I like, listen to everything yeah I'll go from like R&B to like Celine Dion yeah 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 so, I, I just always say that I listen to the best music in every category yeah so if I like it it's good yeah, yeah. I'm just like the whole aesthetic but no, nah, I, I think, yeah, th there is magic in the mundane and that's a good bit of copyright I've just come up with. You should, yeah, sure. definitely copyright that. 
Right, I want to wrap things up because yep. we could go on forever. But the last question mm-hmm. I ask people, it's usually an interesting one. If you give three bits of advice to yourself starting out, and I guess for you, I don't know, I mean, probably not two years ago, but like even just your 18-year-old your 21-year-old self, when you started working that job, knowing what you know now, what would those bits of advice be? Um, Life, business, the fucking world. Make the move quicker before you're certain of it. So, for example, I spent 18 months in that sales job before moving to learn about digital marketing. Maybe I could have spent 12 months. I spent two, three years at the agency. Maybe I could have spent six months. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm quite old right now and I could have probably... No, definitely not. Condensed. It's all relative, isn't it? I I, I feel like I could have been more aggressive in my timeline of learning all those things and that leads actually very nicely onto the next thing which is I would have been more aggressive if I was hanging around the right people for those entire let's say eight years since I'm 20 so for example like I lived with just my normal mates um, didn't really have that friendship circle of killers or of who's super ambitious people around me which if I did it would have been normal for me to be like you know what I'm in the sales job I've been there for four months I already know how to sell why don't I try to move into something better so the very you know environment dictates performance you become who you hang around etc 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 if I had that circle around me I would have moved way quicker so so then you can kind of take those two things together and it's like, make sure you hang around. It's, it, it can be very difficult, but if you just ruthlessly apply it, yeah. try to hang around with people that you want to be like, that will then mean you move quickly. That should help you solve all the other problems that come up. That was two, right? Yeah. Give two. me three. Oh, fuck. I need three. I'm an odd numbers three. guy. Um... Things I could have taught myself. It's um, hard on the spot, but it makes you think of st- instinctively. Don't work alone. Yeah, that's probably good advice. <laughs> it's solemn advice, given you are doing that. Yeah, I know, right? Working but, on changing it. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I mean, it's like <clears throat> this whole game. No one, no one plays this game perfectly, right? Tell me about it. Yeah, we've all we've all had our fuck ups. So, no one's perfect. Everyone's working it out on their own. Everyone's fucking winging it. But we're all going to make it. We're all in a spinning ball of rock. Yeah. Like, fucking, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I tweet, I, I, fucking, I've been tweeting a lot. I tweeted earlier, like, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? I don't think I actually said then. I think it was just, if not me, comma, who? Yeah. If not now, when? Yeah. I think everyone should think that way. Yeah. because it's fucking true life is short we're on a spinning spinning ball of rock and you know if you want to do something if you feel it in your soul fucking do it because don't know what's going to happen tomorrow do we? <laughs> on yeah. that note on that bombshell as Jeremy Clarkson would say we'll wrap it up I think that's been a super interesting episode uh, again there's many classic episodes so to speak that we could probably do three hours on but mm. people just won't watch it um, that was fucking super interesting I learned a lot thank you um, 
I'm sure the viewers did. As usual, if you're liking the pod, subscribe, recommend it to your friend, leave a comment, all that good shit. We're growing consistently. This is the worst shirt I've ever worn on the pod, but it'll be an ocean beach on Sunday afternoon, getting probably the wrong kind of attention. And yeah, um, cheers for watching. See you in the next one. <laughs>